Hello, and welcome back. For this week, we have a special podcast for COP27, which is taking place this November in 2022. The government of the Arab Republic of Egypt will host the 27th conference of the parties of the UNFCCC, with a view to building on previous successes and paving the way for future ambition to effectively tackle the global challenge of climate change. So, for this week, I'm joined by Solomon Adafolu from the Nigerian Conservation Foundation and Ken Mate from BirdLife Africa. If you'd like this episode, like to follow more on this project, please follow the links in the description. And if you'd like to support us, you can make a donation at restoreplanet.org or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, welcome back to Restore Planet Podcast with me, your host, Jack Cole. So t- today I'm joined by Solomon Adafolu from Nigerian Conservation Foundation and Ken uh, Mate from BirdLife Africa. So welcome both of you. Thank you for your time. And we're going to start with Ken. Tell us a little bit about your background and the work that you've been doing over at BirdLife Africa. Um, perhaps starting a more regional view of the projects you've got going on and then sort of wider uh, viewpoint there. Uh, thanks, Jack. My background is in wildlife, uh, um, climate, uh, and environment. Uh, worked for wildlife for over ten years. Uh, I'm the policy and communications co- coordinator at the Africa Wildlife uh, Africa uh, office. Wildlife um, is implementing um, a number of uh, projects. The the key one on climate is. Uh, our resilience building project in uh, the Great Lakes region covering Rwanda, Burundi, and uh, some extent extending to the surrounding countries. We're basically working with the local communities, working with governments, uh, finding nature-based solutions, uh, undertaking uh, forest restoration, um, and basically uh, ensuring that the policies that governments have um, uh, enable uh, people, both people and, and nature to adapt uh, to, to climate. Fantastic. Uh, thank you, Ken. And Solomon, over to you. Tell us about your background and the work you have going on over the uh, Nigerian Conservation Foundation. Thank you very much for having me, Jaco. Uh, my name is Solomon Adefolo. I am the senior manager for the Nigerian Conservation Foundation Climate Change Programme. And uh, I've been with uh, uh, NCF in the, la- uh, in the last 10 years, uh, working on uh, different areas of uh, work, biodiversity, climate, uh, nature, positive and nature-based solution. And uh, NCF is a nature-based uh, organization uh, dedicated to uh, sustainable development and uh, having a sort of like a vision of, of a Nigeria where people prosper while living in harmony with nature. And uh, this is what drives most of the work that we do. NCF has been uh, at the forefront of uh, ensuring that nature remains protected for people and the planet in the last four decades. And uh, this uh, year happens to be the 40th anniversary of NCF. Um, uh, looking at uh, nature and also, you know, uh, be at the forefront of nature in Nigeria. So may we have quite a lot of projects that is ongoing at the moment, and uh, 
Uh, one of such is uh, the green recovery in Nigeria, which I will be talking about uh, in in in, uh, in some minutes to come, uh, which is to restore Nigeria's forest cover from 7% to 25% as uh, recommended by DFAO. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and Solomon, actually, continuing with you there, just, just to break down a little bit that, that last project you were mentioning there. So what is the situation with forests in Nigeria and how, how have they trended over the last decades in terms of deterioration and how is your, your intervention working to rebuild uh, this uh, forest cover? Yes, so uh, in Nigeria, uh, in 2018, NCF uh, did a, an assessment of the forest cover in Nigeria and found out that it is uh, really below what is supposed to be, imagine a country's forest cover having to be between 4 to 7%. And uh, this is a, an alarming situation. Uh, and this is driven a lot by uh, large defore deforestation, which is happening at a very large scale, as well as also urbanization. And uh, most importantly, agriculture, the way we farm, is also really affecting uh, the deforestation, uh, is also bringing about deforestation uh, in Nigeria. And uh, Aside from seeing uh, these uh, major areas, we also looked at uh, the legal logging, which is happening and which has been driven by the, um, the Asian uh, continent, uh, especially with regards to uh, sales and trade of uh, trees uh, in Nigeria to, to China, uh, as well as also other parts of uh, the Asian continent. So this we think uh, we can be able to work on to restore this forest cover to the 25% minimum which is required and uh, which has been recommended by the FAO uh, through the two approaches. One is the afforestation, uh, trying to grow and plant trees, new trees, and the other one is uh, protection, uh, trying to protect existing forests that are in Nigeria, especially the national parks and all other protected areas uh, through a sustainable management approach that will ensure that this forest remains standing and they contribute to the 25% uh, goal of restoring forest cover in Nigeria. Okay, Solomon, thank you for that. Now, Ken, over to you. You mentioned there the Great Rivers project that you have running in a number of countries. Would you mind going into the details of the work you have going on and the current state of things? Again, quite similar to what I asked Solomon, how have things depleted uh, to where they have? What have been the causes? And what more specifically, as I say on the ground, is some of the work that uh, BirdLife is doing? Uh, thank you very much, Jack. Um, <clears throat> if I may mention at this point, BirdLife is a, is, a, is a partnership of uh, uh, conservation NGOs spread across Africa in 26 countries and uh, uh, 120 countries across the, the globe. And uh, um, we are the largest partnership of uh, the nature, uh, 
uh, conservation organizations um, across the, the, the globe. And therefore, our interventions are partner-based and um, issues are identified with partners in respective countries and solutions are discussed and implemented uh, together with uh, with those partners in the in the countries where we are working on uh, uh, climate, especially uh, restoration work. Uh, the main issue that you found is um, um, degradation of land uh, uh, based uh, 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 driven by unsustainable land use, uh, intensive agriculture, artisanal mining, um, uh, quarrying, and and, and 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 things like that, and therefore. Uh, if you look at steep landscapes like those in Rwanda and Burundi, um, they affect everything from the uh, upstream to, to, to downstream, affecting the rivers, causing sedimentation, reducing the, the ability of land to produce food, uh, polluting the waters, um, and uh, uh, in the process, affecting people's ability to, 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 to cope with climate, with climate um uh, uh, the ability for, of, or, or to produce energy if they are, where, where we have uh, a small small hydro power projects and of course uh, that also affects affects fisheries and therefore human activity climate change um uh, uh, land degradation conspires together to reduce people's ability to cope uh, with, with the effects of, of climate. And therefore, our interventions are, 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 are around mobilizing people with about uh, scientifically identifying where the hotspots, uh, uh, erosion on hotspots, uh, 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 together with the local communities developing uh, uh, local, adapt you know, local adaptation plans, prioritizing which sites to, to restore, and then working through uh, uh, those communities and their their, their lead, uh, government leadership, and come up with specific interventions, uh, identify species, you know, appropriate species for uh, for, for for restoration, uh, and going uh, and, and of course putting in the mix uh, elements that that would ensure that people's um, uh, people's lives livelihoods are taken into uh, into consideration. For example, by planting. Not only um, agroforestry trees that restore the landscape uh, and restore the soils, but also planting fruit trees, fruit trees that would help um, uh, the communities sell in the market and make an income out of out of uh, uh, out of those interventions. So that those those are basically our approaches. And if you look at even what is happening within the in the in the Great Green Wall, wall uh, project, where some of our partners are participating, those are those are our approaches. And looking at the landscape, looking at the bigger picture uh, while involving the local people. Thank you. Ken, just as a follow-up there, you mentioned mining. Is that sort of, is that illegal mining, first of all? I can't quite, if you said illegal or artisanal or or what, what kind. Is that gold mining? Um, um, if so, what sort of effects is that having on river systems, etc.? Yes, it is. A, it is mainly gold mining um, within the uh, attitudinal gradients of uh, especially Rwanda, Burundi, uh, even other other, other countries. Um, <clears throat> it's it, it's a mix of it's a mix of both, you know, uh, uh, legal, illegal, and anything in between. Um, and of course, that has massive impacts on um, on 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 um, 
the landscapes, uh, you know, in terms of de degradation. And if you look at the water in the in the rivers around where the the artisanal mining is happening, the water is actually actually either brown or red, or you know, the color you know, around uh, in um, in, you know, in those. I mean, or uh, the, the the color de depicting a soil erosion. And our studies have shown that uh, you can strongly link sedimentation in the rivers, in the lakes below, with uh, areas where which are intensively farmed and areas where there is uh, intensive uh, 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 artisanal artisanal mining. Thank you, Ken. So anyway, back to you. So we've been speaking about forest cover. I'd like us to move on a little bit now to some species. Now I understand that uh, your organisation has done some work with, or at least to help um, uh, conserve pangolins, as I understand it, or other sort of traffic species. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your work in that regard um, and some of the effects that deforestation has been having on some of the species of, uh, of Nigeria? Thank you very much. In terms of uh, working on uh, endangered species such as pangolin, as well as other uh, species uh, of birds, uh, we are been able to uh, develop a strategy, a strategy on uh, called species in peril, how we, a five-year strategy to be able to save these uh, species. We have uh, iconic species, which pangolin, which you mentioned is part of it, uh, as well as other species such as elephant, uh, vulture, uh, and uh, some very endangered species in, in Nigeria. So most of our work really, because it is uh, habitat-based and it is uh, site-based, are really for uh, dedicated towards protecting species. And uh, we have uh, worked with national parks as well as uh, forest reserve to be able to identify places of high conservation value, and uh, also working with our partners such as BedLife to be able to know uh, key biodiversity area and important bed area in Nigeria. And these are places where we prioritize protection and uh, sustainable management. And uh, what some of the challenges with this species uh, involve uh, illegal trade which uh, Nigeria is currently handling now at the moment. In fact, uh, the pangolin that you mentioned happens to be one of the most trafficked uh, out of uh, Nigeria. And Nigeria is the source country as well as also the um, as well as also the uh, transit country. And this is really uh, affecting the, 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 the number of species that is within the country and is affecting the population of Pangolin. And what Nigeria is doing now is to work with stakeholders to develop national strategy. There is a national strategy to combat wildlife crime and forest crime in Nigeria, a five-year strategy. And this strategy is being operationalized within the uh, Federal Ministry of Environment, the Ministry in Charge of uh, 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 Environment and uh, Wildlife, to be to to carry out and implement uh, the actions that has been uh, uh, highlighted and identified within this strategy. 
Wow. One of the key things that we have also done is to use our protected area to serve as recovery sites for these species. So for species that have been uh, uh, that have been uh, seized or that have that uh, the the law enforcement agency have come across during their operation, they bring it back to most of our protected areas in in in, in Nigeria to to for those areas to serve as recovery sites for this species. These species are able to acclimatize, recover before they are introduced back to where they they, they were gotten from. So um, we've uh, also in, in, in a way been able to work on not only pangolin, but also in terms of working with government to develop policies with regards to elephant, uh, ivory, uh, as well as also vulture, which we which we have really shown um, some uh, some some experts in terms of delivering some action that will ensure the protection of this species. And in terms of uh, how the forest link to this is is just what I've explained. The without these uh, habitats being protected and being managed successfully, this species continue to be in the market, in the wildlife market, and uh, poachers are able to get this species uh, and put them in the market up for sale. But with the protection that we are working uh, around the clock to ensure that these forests are protected, these forests are not degraded, these species are, uh, rest assured that they have a safe haven to uh, to be and also where they, they would also not have so much danger with regards to poaching. Thank you. Solomon, follow up question. You mentioned the obviously some quite iconic species, pangolin, which, which as you said, I think, I think it might, might be the most trafficked uh, um, animal in the world. And of course, elephants and ivory. You also mentioned they're vultures. And vultures often aren't something that a lot of people associate with uh, endangered species or, you know, really important species for ecosystems. Would you mind just breaking down a little bit why vultures are being targeted and why vultures are so important for, again, our eco or ecosystems of, of uh, the area and, and so forth? Yeah, thank you so much. Vulture that I mentioned is uh, a very critical uh, animal that is very important to the ecosystem. Vultures are clean-up crew, they are environmental sanitation officers, they help clean up carcasses within the environment and uh, in fact prevent us from uh, reaching, pre prevent us from uh, uh, pandemic and uh, all the other things that could come uh, within the society. And uh, there are a lot of myths when it comes to vulture, people see vulture as very fetish they see vulture as bringing bad omen and uh, this is some of the things that we have tried to um, uh, to correct in nigeria and also to help people understand the important role vulture play within the ecosystem and uh, in fact uh, vulture are being targeted 
uh, as a part of condiment in traditional medicine. So vulture are used for fetish reasons, either for um, healing, some form of healing process or some form of uh, making wealth quickly and uh, so many other things within the traditional healing process. Uh, and this is something that uh, we have been able to work on by identifying plant-based alternatives to vulture. And we've uh, worked with traditional healers associations in Nigeria to, to develop a guide on plant-based alternatives to vulture and also promote its uh, use and uh, also encourage them in terms of uh, uh, taking up some of these solutions that will not require them to uh, use vulture in their traditional uh, medicine process. And this is something that is uh, making wave in Nigeria. We have a book on that and uh, we are planning to share with some other uh, neighboring African countries who are interested to use this book as a tool for traditional medicine practice uh, and helping to save vulture. Very interesting. Really interesting. Thank you, Solomon. Ken, over to you now. So Solomon's mentioned there some of the cultural uh, challenges, attitudes in, in his part of the world. And I was wondering if you could enlighten us a little bit about some of the challenges that BirdLife or yourself and your projects have faced when it comes to educating local people on better means of practice. How, how are those things, um, how have they been progressing? Or is there a number of uh, sort of... Is education a core part of your, your incorporating into your projects or how exactly does it work there regarding the sort of, and like I said, reiterating cultural conflicts, cultural challenges, perhaps local attitudes. How are things you found, uh, found over in uh, your projects? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, across uh, 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 well, the places where we work, the countries where we work, we, we, we have similar issues. Uh, like um, those that, um, identified by our partner in Nigeria, NCF. Um, and uh, education awareness raising, capacity building is a key part of what we do. Um, and therefore, um, we uh, work uh, from where the communities are based, you know, identify what challenges um they are facing and how their that setting affects the ability to uh first of all implement the projects uh, uh developing you know interventions that would uh, uh help them uh raise uh, the livelihoods uh protect biodiversity improve their life you know uh, resilience to climate um, and one one of the uh, bigger challenges we have is is, is, is people's ways ways of farming. Uh, people are used to doing things, you know, farming in, in the same old way that uh, their forefathers uh, uh, were, were, were farming. Some of that is is nature friendly, but there are certain elements that that would, for example, uh, uh, you know, break, uh, uh, there, there are parts of Africa where. Uh, farms and and trees do do, do not coexist. 
uh, vegetation and uh, and crops uh, do not uh, are, not, are never seen side by side, and therefore uh, there is a lot of work in terms of education in terms of capacity building. You know to in fact uh, emphasize that um, uh, agroecology, uh, agri you know agriculture that includes uh, plants, trees within the farm is indeed uh, uh, beneficial. Uh, because that is where you find pollinators, that is where you find bees, that is where you find other uh, beneficial or, 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 or organisms. Um, and therefore, bare, a bare earth uh, uh, approach to farming, you know, then goes against the very um, uh, aims of uh, uh, improved food production, um, uh, and of course, uh, you know, um, ensuring that people can be, be able to feed themselves. So indeed, uh, we have many of, of, of such examples and uh, through our partners, um, through local engagement, through you know, mutual identification of issues, working with the local leaders, uh, we're able to see change, we're able to see people appreciate our new approaches that are able to help them uh, not only uh, protect the nature that, that, that feeds them, but also be able to uh, become more resilient to, to climate. Thank you. And, uh, and Solomon mentioned through his work that the certain ministers and, and ministries are getting involved with conservation slowly but surely on a number of projects. I was wondering, Ken, how, um, how reactive or how compliant the Kenyan or other surrounding nations governments have been in supporting your work and expanding some of the ideas and conservation objectives that you and your colleagues might have? Yeah, I must say that we have a good working relationship with uh, with governments uh, all around um, uh, in countries where we work, you know, especially through our, our, uh, our partners, for example, I mean, uh, you will hear a lot of good examples from Nigeria, how they're working with their governments. Um, and it's uh, um, um, this is replicated across uh, uh, the, you know the, the most of the twenty six countries where we work. Uh, but but there are definitely challenges. Uh, for example, uh, you find um, sometimes in the rush to uh, achieve the development, you know, sustainable development. And of course, you're aware, probably aware about, uh, about Africa's Agenda 2063, with the governments making a rush to uh, uh, achieve part of that, uh, as well as the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. Um, the, 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 there is often uh, uh, um, uh, uh, difficulties, you know, especially where uh, infrastructural development, energy mining, agricultural expansion uh, um, uh, the damages pot or, or potentially damages uh, uh, areas that are important for biodiversity and nature. And therefore, the, the work of our partners is and, and ourselves is to ensure that uh, all the time we are, we are raising the flag and saying these are important bad areas, these are key biodiversity areas, these areas are important for <clears throat> For biodiversity and for for ecosystems, and uh, and indeed very very important for uh, for climate uh, 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 adaptation and, and, and mitigation. Uh, so that that is that is something we are doing constantly, both at national level and 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 and, and uh, Solomon will tell you um, at the regional level. Um, it is something we are, we are we are doing right now as you speak. We 
our partners across Africa. We're developing, um, uh, this is the, the, the 50th anniversary, to, I mean, the, this month of, of, of November, uh, is the 50th anniversary of the World Heritage Convention. Uh, but if you look across Africa, you'll find uh, quite a bit of incursion by infrastructural development, mining, for example, in you know eco, uh, places like or the Okavango Delta, you know where there's massive oil uh, and gas exploration happening, uh, which has not not been there before. And therefore, as the as the world celebrates fifty and the fiftieth uh, anniversary, Africa partners are saying there is need for greater accountability for, by the by the the countries that have signed the world world heritage. There is a need for greater sensitivity to these areas that have. Uh, if you like the goose that lays the golden egg, that if you kill it, then you kill you kill everything. That is where the water is coming from. That is where the carbon is being sequestered. That is where the, the, the all the all the all the ecosystem services are coming from. And therefore, we we, we it's a flag we have to keep raising. Our partners are going to to to, to uh, issue a statement about World Heritage on 16th of November, and there are many other forums and platforms where uh, our partners are constantly reminding governments, you know, that um, yes, we, we have to keep to the straight and narrow if we are going to, uh, to if nature is going to continue providing the benefits that it, 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 it always so faithfully does. Thank you, Killer. That leads me quite nicely on to um, my next question, which I'd like to ask both of you. So Africa contributes least to climate change, but is the brunt of it. With the upcoming of COP27, in Egypt, what are some of the key issues at play or that you would like raised or address? Uh, starting with you, Solomon. Yeah, as we prepare for COP27, it's important that uh, we we see this COP as uh, an implementation COP, a COP that uh, does not uh, only talk and, uh, and that has moved away from talks alone to doing things, making climate action work uh, in Africa. As you mentioned, Africa contributes the least to the cost of climate change, but we have uh, Africa being one of the most impacted about, about uh, climate change. And uh, this is crucial because uh, the, this COP sh should let, we, 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 we need Africa to come together. We need to resolve and be able to work on climate change as Africans. We must have the required funds, the required finance that is needed to uh, to solve the issues of loss and damage. We must be able to, the world must be able to uh, uh, be at, at, at the forefront of building resilience for African countries. We can only do this uh, if we have the necessary funds, if we have the necessary finance. Imagine Nigeria as uh, uh, I mean after the, 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 at the at the Paris agreement there was an agreement of 100 billion US dollars annually to replenish the climate fund we don't know how much uh, has been has been uh, you know fulfilled by the developed world 
in 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 this uh, pause, we also need to see how these funds will be made available and made accessible to people who need them the most. Africa is really witnessing the impact of climate change, and there must be a concerted effort. The issues of financing loss and damage is critical. The issues of protecting uh, our people, protecting our planet, building resilience is also very critical as we go to COP. And we need to deliver uh, this, this issue uh, in, in an African way. Africa must be led in, in that African way to solve our major crisis. Thank you. And Ken, the same question to you. Uh, thanks, Jack. Um, I'm in agreement with uh, with, with uh, Solomon. Uh, we must remember that climate is about people. Uh, and therefore, this um, when we say that the COP27 must be an implementation COP, uh, it's because you're thinking about the people who continue to be impacted. Uh, right now in many, uh, you know, in a, uh, a number of parts of Africa, you know, especially in Eastern Africa, uh, uh, we are experiencing the worst drought in 40 years uh, as a result of, you know, cli you know climate change. Uh, so calling for uh, ambition, calling for uh, urgency in terms of implementation, in terms of uh, finding solutions, um, uh, implementing what has been agreed upon, especially finance and uh, uh, especially finance, is because, it, 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 you know, uh, uh, it's about lives, loss of lives. It's about people losing um, uh, places where they live, their ability to produce, uh, you know, and so and so on and so forth. And and one of our main calls is is that uh, the climate um, negotiations and the climate space must continue to place have a Place a high premium on the, the the role of nature, the role of ecosystems uh, in helping adaptation and mitigation. If you kick out, and if you downplay the role of uh, nature, the role of biodiversity, then you 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 complete you completely miss it because um, uh, with what is referred to as nature-based solutions. Countries can be able to meet up to thirty percent of some of their commitments they made at you know uh, during the Paris the Paris Agreement agreement. So that that will continue to be one of our main calls uh, at, at, uh, in at, in Shek. Um and uh, <clears throat> given that there, there is um, the ongoing discussion of a new framework to protect biodiversity, then you are going to be asking um, uh, for a strong political signal. Uh, for a, to, 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 to drive an ambitious post-2020 global biodiversity framework, because this is a roadmap. This is a, the, the blueprint that is going to uh, to show how countries are going to treat biodiversity in the next 10 years. So the, um, the, 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 the strong connection between biodiversity and climate will continue to be emphasized. Um, <clears throat> And that is going to also uh, come up strongly, you know, uh, when you talk about global stock take. When countries are reporting about how much they have achieved the Paris Agreement, they need to also report the impact, how that has impacted ecosystems, 
and how that has impacted biodiversity. Uh, I think the issue of uh, uh, fossil fuels is, 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 is another big one because we, we've seen um, a sort of thinking that says because there's a global, uh, uh, global I mean, there's a, there's a problem with a, a, a coming, uh, arising from the, uh, the invasion of uh, Ukraine uh, by Russia, that countries can go back to fossil, fossil fuel. But I think that, that is not, not, not even an option because if you, <clears throat> we cannot, you're not going to be able to achieve 1.5 um, without a, a, a kind of thing. And therefore, um, we must continue calling for uh, a rapid fossil fuel phase out, uh, uh, protection and restoring and improving the management of species rich areas, species, uh, species rich ecosystems, species and carbon rich uh, ecosystems. Uh, <clears throat> and with this, we're also going to be uh, calling for a, a rights-based approach because uh, we need to ensure that the, the, the rights of the local com local com local and, um, indigenous peoples and local communities are, are respected. And last but not least, finance, ensuring that the money that has been promised for a very, very long time is placed on the table. We see attempts to push, to push, the, to pull, um, to, pull, uh, to, to shift the goals and to, pull, to pull, uh, 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 put them uh, uh, further away. But I think finance is needed now and not tomorrow. Thank you, Ken. And finally, Solomon, what are your final thoughts? What's your parting shot? Yeah, I think uh, we are at the point in our life that we need to realize that there are three planetary crises that we are currently facing now. One is the climate crisis, the other is the biodiversity crisis, and the last one is the pollution crisis. We urgently need everybody to act and act positive to save the planet. We don't have another planet and we can only live when we make our planet better for life and solomon where can people find your work and follow your projects and everything you have going on what do you say sorry just saying where can people find your work and follow your work and projects and everything you have going on Okay, yes, it's, uh, our work is on uh, our website, NCF website, which is uh, www.ncfnigeria.org. You can also follow us on uh, the social media, Instagram, uh, Facebook, as well as Twitter, with the handle at NCF Nigeria. Thank you. And finally, Ken, what are your final thoughts? What's your parting shot? Um, I think there is, there is hope. Um, the fact that um, the global community is converging in Africa, in Sharm El Sheikh, in um, um, in a, I mean next week basically, uh, and in Montreal to discuss biodiversity in, in December uh, means that there there, are, uh, there, is, there is commitment and uh, countries and stakeholders see the need 
to negotiate and uh, on one hand um, uh, take action that is going to turn the tide on climate and on the other uh, develop an ambitious post-2020 global biodiversity framework uh, to, to, to save nature. Um, uh, I think we must all work together. We must go continue giving this the push it, it deserves. And I think there's uh, both government and uh, civil society and local indigenous people and local communities have a role to play. And we must respect the role that each each, each has uh, um, uh, has to play to, uh, to to make this happen. But I must emphasize that the back stops with the governments. It is the governments that are, that that that, um, that implement. It is the governments that have uh, the, the, you know um, the, the money by and large, and it is the governments that have the mandate. But the civil society start start stand ready to to support and to uh, to augment what the, uh, what the governments are doing as like like we've always done. And we're going to be in Shamil Sheikh. Uh, 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 in in very different spaces, uh, 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 trying to take the dialogue look forward as well as uh, in Montreal. Thank you very much. And finally, Ken, where can people find you and your work and the projects that BirdLife have going on? Uh, yeah, we can be found on our uh, BirdLife International um, web website, birdlife.org, uh, or Stroke Africa. Uh, if you want to, to to find stories about Africa. Uh, 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 in Instagram, uh, I'm sorry, in uh, uh, Bad Life Africa in uh, in Twitter and Bad Life uh, in International uh, Africa in both uh, Instagram and uh, uh, and, uh, and and Facebook. So feel free to uh, to to, uh, to look us up and and follow us. Thank you. Thank you both for your time. It's been really uh, constructive. I feel. Thank you.